mindfulness mode. Remember, as long as there's breath in your body, there's still hope. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Did you know that every year for the entire month of April, it's National Month of Hope? Now, we need to have hope all year long, but during April, we can particularly focus on helping each other to have hope. And during this pandemic, we have to really remember to encourage each other and be there for each other even more than that. Well, I have the, believe believe it or not, I have the actual person with me today who was responsible for creating this National Month of Hope. And not only has she done that, but she's founder and president of Mothers in Crisis, which is a nonprofit organization. And she has written books. She's recognized as, now get this, she's recognized as a hopeologist. And she received a doctorate of humanities degree from the Fivefold Ministry Theological University in 2012, recognizing her as a humanitarian for the work that she's done to end drug and alcohol addiction. I mean, she's done so much. I'm here today with Dr. Rosalind Lewis Tompkins. Dr. Tompkins, I am so excited to talk to you and and learn about some of the things that you've done. So first of all, are you in mindfulness mode today? I most certainly am. That is great. I'm so excited to talk to you. And so, so first of all, Rosalind, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, it's that state of being uh, it, where, where you're calm, where, uh, where you have that, that, that place. For me, it all centers around hope, where, where you're hopeful and where your breathing is at the proper uh, rhythm and, and you have peace. That's what it means to me. Yeah, yeah. There are so many of us struggling during this pandemic to find peace and to find that place of being grounded and and all of this. Now, through your book that you've written, I think a lot of people are finding peace and finding how to be grounded. Your book is called As Long As There Is Breath In Your Body, There Is Still Hope. And yes. that's your most recent book, isn't it, Rosalind? Yes, that's the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because didn't you also write a book that has a very similar title to that? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, um, As Long As There's Breath In Your Body, There Is Hope was my first book. And I pretty much shared about my recovery, uh, what I call going through the hellhole of addiction and making it out on the other side. And then about 15 years later, approximately 15 years later, uh, I wrote this new book, which has just been out about a year now, mm-hmm. where I pick up where the old book left off. And then I also talk, start talking about hope. And April is a national month of hope and the whole hope campaign and the practice of hopeology. So so I just added on so much because, as you know, so much can happen since that time. And the greatest thing is I remain clean, you know, and I'm 34 years clean now. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Tell us what it means, this hopeology thing. What does it mean to be a hopeologist? Well, hopeologists 
is actually our trademark. I have a trademark with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office of the United States. And it is class, it's category 35, and it is promoting the public awareness of hope through public advocacy. So I guess you can sum it up by saying I'm an advocate for hope. And one of the ways that we do that is through our uh, hope campaign and April, the National Month of Hope. Right. And so when did you make this happen for April to be the National Month of Hope? Well, actually, uh, Mothers in Crisis, um, we applied through the National Day calendar in the year 2017. And uh, what we were told is there were thousands of, of applications in that particular cycle. Because as you can imagine, there's a holiday for every day. I was shocked that there was no National Month of Hope already. So we applied and we got the designation. And so the first ever National Month of Hope was in, in 2018. So this is now our fourth year of celebrating. That's so exciting. And is this in the United States only or in the entire world? Well, we've gone international this year. I wouldn't say the entire world, but we have contacts uh, with different countries. So Pakistan is definitely celebrating this year. Eswatini, Nepal, and Kenya. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I'd like to go back, Rosalind, to the darker time in your life when you did experience this addiction. Can you tell us yes. about that? Take us a, give us a glimpse into that part of your life? Well, I certainly, I most certainly can because it, it helps to, to bring clarity. A lot of times people ask me, well, well, why are you so hopeful or why are you now this is your life's work of spreading this hope and advocating for hope is because of the power of hope that I experienced whenever I was addicted uh, at the age of 12 years old. I started using drugs and alcohol and uh, I was, you know, on some type of drug for 12 years and I ended up uh, with crack cocaine and, and some other substances that I talk about in my book, As Long As There's Breath In Your Body, There Is Still Hope. And the thing that's so deep about my experience was I lost my mind on four different occasions. In other words, I had psychotic breaks. So I understand how important this mindfulness is and, and how important your mind is and to keep it whole and healthy because I had, I, I had gone through that because of my drug use. And, um, and so finally, whenever, uh, by the grace of God, I made it out on the other side, and, and, and I began to uh, wonder about not just me, but as a single parent at the time, I was looking around at so many other women. It was during the crack cocaine epidemic. So I was looking around at so many women who looked just like me and, and, and children and babies that were being affected. And I realized that I needed to go, I needed to do something to make a difference. And as a social worker, that's my uh, professional uh, education. And uh, I was working in the field uh, and I realized that, you know, these women needed more than what was being provided. And I started Mothers in Crisis. So Mothers in Crisis became like my baby of hope. My daughter was, was, was my catalyst for change. You know, when I finally got pregnant with her, then all of a sudden I decided, you know what, this is, no, this is not a game. I got to get my life together for her. And, uh, and, and then I started Mothers in Crisis um, 
when I was four years clean. And it's just kind of taken off from there. But what I could see, the common thread has been hope. Hope. Mm. Yes. That's incredible. The so when you first went on that journey to become clean again, did you have a lot of help? Did you do it on your own? How did you do it? Well, you know, I had help from, first of all, I would say my mother's hope, her faith and her hope uh, that she never gave up on me. So I had that you know, that strong family support that was there, I talk about in my book. Uh, and um, and then I also had the help and the hope of my faith as I turned my life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I surrendered all to him once I became broken. And so my faith, my family, and then my purpose. And I, and I believe my purpose is what really kind of took it to the next level and just helped me to, to, to move forward. Because whenever I tapped into the purpose now of helping others, because that's what the acronym for HOPE stands for, for us, helping others practice empowerment. And whenever I got started on that journey, you know, I never looked back. I never looked back. I love that. Helping others practice empowerment yes yeah that's very very positive to think of that empowerment and when you're addicted to something i don't care what it is you don't feel very empowered do you no absolutely well actually you are powerless and you have to come to that you have to come to yourself and to come to that realization but then you don't have to stay powerless you can be empowered Rosalind, I'd love to talk to you more about your faith. There are some people that I talk to who feel like mindfulness completely dovetails in with faith and Christianity or whatever religion you are. There are other people that feel like that mindfulness is quite separate from your faith. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I, I just feel like we as uh, human beings— uh, we are on the, the, the journey to becoming. And uh, it's not about what we do, but it's about who we are. So everything that, that I am, it comes out, is expressed in what I do. So, so if I am a woman of faith and I understand that to get still, to meditate, to become more mindful, to be more hopeful is, is actually studies show that it is helpful and people who live that way live longer and have a better quality of life. And when I realized those things and I began to do things to put it into practice, it just also becomes more a part of who I am. That's how I look at it. Right. Well, once you became sober, you started doing a lot of work to help others that have drug and alcohol addictions. Can you tell us some of those things that you did? Well, I started Mothers in Crisis. That was in, back in 1991. We've uh, just celebrated 30 years this year. And wow. um, we've seen thousands of, of families, lives who were ripped apart by, by drug addiction come together. And just generations that, that it's, just, it's just amazing. Uh, so through Mothers in Crisis, maybe for the first two decades uh, of his existence, I was executive director um, I wrote grants, uh, managed grants. I had a whole uh, staff and team, 
and we implemented various projects in the community as a community-based drug and alcohol uh, uh, substance abuse program. And do you feel that our world is better in a better place now than it was in 1991 as far as mothers in crisis are concerned? Well, I, I feel that we're all in crises now. <laughs> yeah, it's different, isn't it? Yeah, it's different. I, I just think that now it's just, uh, I think it's so important, this hope. That's why I've dedicated now my life's work, what, what we're doing in Mothers in Crisis, is, is not so much the, the direct services as we are spreading this whole message and promoting and advocating for hope. Because what I believe that even though things are bad in some instances and they look like they're getting worse, that they are going to get better. They can get better. We can make them better. In your book, you outline some practical ways to develop and apply hope in your life. Can you share some of those with us now? Absolutely. I would love to. Um, the first concept that, that we look at is becoming hopeful yourself because you can't give what you don't have. So we have the concept of thinking hope, how to train your brain to become more hopeful because, because you know, if just left to itself, we tend to, to, to veer towards the negative and we, you know, tend to veer towards the darkness sometimes. So whenever you, whenever you begin to think hope, one of the things that we suggest is that people begin to take hope breaks. And this is sort of where I see the connection with your mindfulness that we've been talking about. Because when you take a hope break, the first step is you have to intentionally schedule it because it's not just going to happen. You know, we have so much going on. So when you intentionally schedule a hope break, you may have to start off like I did and so many others and, and just set an alarm on your phone or your watch just so, okay, time for a hope break. And when you, and so that's the first step. And then the second thing is you go off to a place where you're just quiet, where you are alone, you know, nobody to bother you, the children are all settled or whatever. And then you just breathe five to 10 deep breaths. And you just, and then once you breathe and you get your, you, you know, your, your, the rhythm flowing uh, with your body and you become more mindful, then you begin to think about the best case scenario. So instead of thinking about the worst case scenario, say you've been looking for a job, you've been looking for some type of opportunity, everywhere you looked, every door has been closed. And then sometimes we have a tendency to think it'll never happen, it's not gonna happen. But in that place where you now are at a hope break, you begin to think, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get that job. The doors are going to open. And as you think that and you see it in your mind's eye, then you speak it. That would be the, the, the fourth step. You speak it out, you make affirmations, and you say it out so your ears can hear what you're saying. And then, and then lastly, you just repeat it as often as needed. And I'm telling you, you begin to do that and it's amazing how, you know how, what they say about a habit and how, how many days, some people say 21 or whatever. But once you begin to get into the habit of that, it becomes easier. I always say, it's not the first thought, it's the second thought that counts. 
That is that is great. And I and I love the steps that you've broken down for us. Make it a hope break. Intentionally schedule that hope break. Number yes. two, go to a quiet place and breathe and take your five to ten deep breaths. And I need help with number three because I'm not sure what it was. So can you remind me? Yes, you think about the best case scenario. Okay, so yes. think about the best case scenario. And I'm writing this right down here because I, I want to remember this best case scenario. And then number four is speak it out and yes. make it a habit. And number five is repeat as often as necessary. And for some of us, it's yes. quite necessary to do it often, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. But what I found since it's, it's been about three years now since we've been kind of implementing these, uh, what we call practice of hopeology. Uh, it does become a habit. It becomes a part. And you find yourself, for me and so many others that I talk to, uh, thinking negative, it's now the thing that if you begin to have that where you're thinking negative, then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, you know, it's no, it's no longer the norm. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then once you become, become hopeful yourself and it becomes a part of who you are, then you can spread hope to others. And we do that through making hope connections. And you make hope connections by having hope chats, by, by having hope fusions and creating hope spheres. Hope fusions and hope fears. This is all very cool. I want to talk to you about your eight life-changing pearls of wisdom as well. Can you tell us what those are? Well, um, I can, yes, I can tell you, and then I may have to look just to make sure I don't forget any. But um, the pearls of wisdom, as I call them, uh, are, are life lessons that I learned having gone through that whole experience of the 12-year addiction. And the very first one, I believe, is the power of prayer. Mm. Because prayer is like oxygen to your hope, which is another pearl of wisdom the power of hope, mm. the power of unity, the power of, of humility, the power of you, the power of unity, and then I'm sure the power of resilience. So mm -hmm. I believe that may be all, though, the power of passion, and that's probably it. <laughs> Yeah. I'll have to yeah. look at, you know, to get them in order, I'd have to look it up. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Well, let's talk about resilience specifically, because resilience is something that I think we have naturally as human beings, but a lot of us are kind of questioning our resilience right now during this pandemic. What would you recommend to those of us who feel like we could use a little bit more resilience right now? Well, um, not surprisingly, what studies show is that more the more hopeful you are, the more resilient you become. Because whenever you begin to think hope and you begin to look at the best case scenario, you begin to have a, a, a system change where you begin to believe, because see, hope is for the future. So, mm -hmm. so, so maybe things are going really badly right now. You know, everything that can be, you know, is, is just turned upside down. But now in the midst of that, you may find yourself feeling down. You may find yourself sitting down. You may find yourself not wanting to even move. And then if, if you're hopeless during that, uh, during that time period and you're thinking that, you know, this is just it and nothing's going to change, you're not going to move. But the moment hope comes, it's like the light that shines in the, in the dark tunnel. 
The moment hope comes, solutions begin to come. Options begin to show up that you didn't, you couldn't see in that hopeless state. And then the next thing you know, you get up. See, that's resilience, the, the ability to bounce back. You get up, you try again, you try something else, you know. And so, so every time you get knocked down, it's like hope will help you to bounce back. It's like helium in your balloon. I love that helium. Yeah, it just lifts you right up. Yeah, with, without any effort, it just up it goes. Well, you have to work it, and that's why we have the, the strategies and the practice uh, because it's not just going to happen. No, but but you can become more hopeful. Some people say, "Well, that's just not my personality." Well, it's not about personality. Yeah, I, I love that. When I was on drugs, when I, especially. And I was on drugs, like like I said, 12 years of my life from the age 12 to 24, my young and formative years, I was very cynical. Mm. I was very cynical and, you know, and, and, and negative. I had that, that going on. So it's not like I was just born hopeful. And so sometimes people say, well, as a hopeologist and you're so hopeful, do you ever get down and, and feel depressed? I say, yes, but I don't stay there. Well, you sure seem upbeat today and, you know, just meeting you and talking to you and seeing your beautiful smile. I know that sometimes like every one of us feels maybe a little bit of discouragement or whatever, but yeah. it's just a real pleasure to talk to you and to see how upbeat you are. Tell us what your children have taught you about mindfulness. Well, I have a, I have a daughter and now I can talk about my grandchildren because mm. I have three beautiful grandchildren. Uh -huh. And uh, they teach me a lot every day about so much. And uh, and so I have my my oldest granddaughter is 12 years old. Uh, the middle one is five. And then my uh, grandson, he just turned three years old uh, in March. And so and so they 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 help. I help them because in their lifestyle and you know my my daughter she's married and you know she's young and she's you know has her career her husband you know same thing and so it's a lot going on all the time you know their little lives it's just constantly things happening and moving and shifting from school to home to this to that and when they come to us to me and my husband it's like a wow and and they love they, they I, I told them, I say, you guys think coming here is like going to Disney World, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So, so, you know, so they, they, they come and we just can, we make that connection together and we do it in, in, in such a, a different way. And, uh, in such a, I would say mindful way with such a grounded way until I believe that it, it, it we do that for one another. I'm curious, are there some schools that do some activities during the National Month of Hope? Well, I am very curious about that. Uh, none that I know of, but I can tell you this. My granddaughter had told her mother the other day, she said, um, they said over the school bulletin that April is the National Month of Hope. And she said, is that the what grandma knows started? Is that the holiday? <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, and so of course, Jannar told her yes. But then I began to wonder. I said, this year, what I'm seeing, Bob, is that it's becoming organic. I'm, I'm getting different calls and different, different uh, people that are looking it up and they're looking for something to do. 
So they say, well, well, what do you suggest? You know, how should we celebrate this? And what I say is be creative. I mean, we have suggestions. It's on the site, makeahopeconnection.com. But, but you think about it and you take it and run with it because this thing is, is bigger than we are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just something that every single one of us human beings can use and, and need to be using in order to stay upbeat and to help each other. I think that's fantastic. Now, I want to ask you a question about bullying because I uh, have worked in this field for a long time. And I want to ask you if you have a story you could share with us where bullying, uh, you know, maybe you were bullied, maybe, you know, a situation happened that involved your grandchildren or your child or or, or someone in the organization that you run, but maybe you have a story where mindfulness would have made a difference. Well, you know, when you when you when you start talking about bullying and and things of that nature, it 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 just automatically brings back memories, um, especially uh, of childhood and and some of the some of the situations that 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 I have gone through. As I was growing up in the South, um, you know, down in Florida, North Florida, and and just being in situations where, uh, in, in the year that I went to elementary school was the year that they desegregated the school system, and uh, and I remember very very clearly how my 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 aunt was a school teacher. So she worked um, in the school system, one of the best schools in, in Pensacola, where I'm from. And uh, so she brought me and my brother along with her so that we could be a part of that education. And they had just, you know, it, had, it hadn't been that, many, that long, I'll say that. And, uh, and I remember uh, being pinched, um, being, you know, called out of my name and, and, and just kind of going through a, a whole lot as a kindergartner, mm. as a kindergartner. And, and what I really believe that that makes the difference, and it could have made the difference if you say, if what could have helped mindfulness is, is if the teachers had been, been practicing that yeah. and been able to, uh, to de-escalate some of the things, some of the rhetoric, and, and, to, and, to, and, and that I would know that I have someone that I can go to that I can talk to that is safe. Now I did because I had my aunt, but she wasn't like right there all the time when things were going on. Right. Right. Of course, you know, you have to fend for yourself sometimes, that's for sure. So yeah, as we move on in the interview, Rosalind, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who has been one person who has been a very powerful mindfulness influence in your life? That would have to be Jesus, my relationship with Jesus. Great. That's awesome. My second question is this. Uh, tell us how your emotions have been changed as a result of the mindfulness in your life. Or maybe it's just how you perceive your emotions. Well, my emotions, I believe my blood pressure has certainly gone down. I can see that. And, um, and I've become more active. Uh, being able to to stretch, whereas I'd always wanted to be able to do that. Uh, my breathing is is better, so I can I, I have more energy. Um, it's it's just a it's a wonderful state of being 
to, to have that sense of well-being and peace. Right. My third question is about breathing. And you already talked a little bit about breathing when we, we were talking about your uh, hope breaks. But let's just go over that a little bit. Tell us about breathing and how important it is in your life. It's so very important because because I've learned and, and I listen to different uh, different music, different sounds that 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 kind of help facilitate that uh, to, to, for you to be able to get into that rhythmic, that rhythm and to lower your uh, beats per minute, uh, your heartbeats per minute in certain certain areas. The lower they, the lower it is, the better. And 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 so and so the breathing part of it, it's. If, if you if a lot of times if we could just stop and breathe, then everything else would 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 change. The whole atmosphere would change. The situation may not change, but we would change in the situation if we could just stop and breathe. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. Your book, as long as there is breath in your body, there is still hope is awesome and it's very uplifting. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness that can help with your mindfulness? Well, I love the Psalms. I love Mm. the Psalms, especially Psalm 23. That's one of the ones that I just allow to just float around and and meditate on uh, all the time. That's great. That's great. Are there any apps that you would recommend which can help someone with their mindfulness? Well, one of the one of the apps that that I've been using for for decades now uh, are the beach apps, uh, where they have just the sound of water, mm-hmm. uh, which I've I sleep to and have for the past several decades. And so, um, you know, I, I I tell you, I recommend the sounds of nature. But for me, the beach really is is awesome. And do you live somewhere near close to the beach? <laughs> yes, I'm from Florida. I, I don't live, uh, Tallahassee is inland, but it's not too far. So yes, I go to the beach as often as I possibly can. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's great. Well, if there was someone listening today that thought, well, geez, I'd just like to leave this with one tip about how to be hopeful, about how I can feel better about my life, what would your words of advice be to that person? My words of advice would be to give yourself a break. It's a process, but you have to get started. So start somewhere. And the things that we've been talking about today, start by changing your mindset, breathing, and just slowing down and thinking positive based upon not some Pollyanny, oh, you know, I wish I may, I wish I might, wish upon a star tonight, but based upon the reality of your life experiences. And if you really think about it, you've gone through some things that you probably thought you'd never make it through, but you're here. And just as you went through that, you can go through whatever you're going through now. Because remember, as long as there's breath in your body, there's still hope. Or as they say in Latin, dum spiro spero, while I breathe, I hope. Rosalind, I love the hope that you're putting out into the world. I think this is absolutely fantastic. And let me just jump in and tell you that Dr. Tompkins' website is Rosalind Y. Tompkins.com. Let me spell that for you. 
R O S A L I N D Y, and then Tompkins, T O M P K I N S dot com. Rosalind Y Tompkins. Com. And I just want to thank you so much for being a guest on Mindfulness Mode. Well, thank you for having me. This wonder, it's wonderful what you're doing here. It's definitely needed. Thank you so much, Rosalind. Bye now. Bye for now. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening today to Dr. Tompkins. I really enjoyed our conversation. Have you been trying to break through a mind block? You know, I've had mind blocks in the past. I've had these times when I felt like, man, I'm just stuck. Or I've had challenges with, you know, trying to make something happen in my online business, things like that. And I just felt like I was just spinning my wheels. Are you discouraged? Well, you know what? It's not hopeless. You really can do it, but sometimes you just need some help in one way or another. And I coach people just like you. And since I became a hypnotist, I found out that, wow, it is really an incredible way to help other people. It's really amazing. And I've learned to do self-hypnotism and that has helped me a lot. And I can teach you how to do that as well. And uh, I just love to help people just like you, especially listeners of the show, because I feel like we already have a connection because you've been listening for a while and some of you have reached out and sent me emails or maybe you never have. But you know what? Today's the day. Today's the day to send me an email and say, you know what? This is happening in my life. Can we talk about whether your coaching and, and doing some hypnosis is right for me? So send me an email and put in the subject line, mindfulness for hope. And I'll know that you you listen to this episode and that's where we got connected so you can regain your confidence you can get somewhere you really can make progress so email me bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we'll set up a zoom call we'll talk about it and we'll move forward and get you out of this feeling of being stuck and into a place where you feel like you're making you're making progress and you're feeling like you're reaching new heights of what I say, calm, focus, and happiness. So take what we've learned today from this episode and, you know, just move forward with that. And don't forget, stay in the mode.